I'm Ben Amos. Join me as we dive deep into how some of the best in business, marketing, content creation, and education wield powerful and effective stories to engage audiences and drive action. Welcome to Engage With Story. The real power of story happens well before we've even realized. It's the the gut feeling, our subconscious brain firing as a response to emotional stimulus felt as we experience a story. Ever found yourself with tears in your eyes in the cinema? As humans, our ability to react instantly based on sensory triggers is instinctual. It's what keeps us alive in our decision to fight or flight. A good story, when told well, triggers these instinctual feelings in those milliseconds before we've rationalised our emotions via cognitive thought. In business and marketing, those emotional triggers can and should be understood, controlled and designed in order to more effectively and quickly engage with their ideal target market and move them to take action. Now this is the importance of branding. When done right, it can fire all the right emotional triggers and audiences are on board. They turn on. But when done poorly, can equally result in a negative emotional trigger. People are turned off. They experience unsurety or a lack of trust. Now often, all of these gut decisions, either negative or positive, happen within milliseconds of engaging with a brand. See, you've either won or lost based on the strength of your brand's design and the story that's being told. Welcome to episode three of Engage With Story. And today's guest is all about brand design. He has over 20 years of experience in strategic branding, graphic design, and product development. He's held the position of Vice President, Head of Design for Global Snacks at PepsiCo, where he was responsible for the identification, creation, management, and execution of comprehensive brand design strategies that had a major impact on the growth of multi-billion dollar brands. He's worked across an impressive list of major brands and is now the principal of Vahal Brand Design, a strategic design and brand consultancy based out of New York. He is Philip Van Dusen, and it's an absolute pleasure to have him on the show today. Now, in this episode, we explore the importance of consistent story across your brand touch points. We unpack some examples of global brands who are really leading the way with designing their brand story. And we have a bit of a chin wag about the future of brand experience with some cool stuff like VR and heaps more. So I'm really excited to bring this interview to you. Let's get on with the show. Right, Philip Van Dusen, welcome to Engage With Story. Thanks for being here. Thanks, Ben. Thanks for having me. Yeah, awesome. So, you know, as part of uh, the Engage With Story podcast, I really want to spend some time, you know, getting deep with with story artists or practitioners, people who use story every day in the work that they do. And you're a great example of that. So we're going to use this interview to get a little bit deeper in, and really pick your brains about some of that. But before we do that, I'd love to hear more about, about your story and what got you into your passion for brand design and, and storytelling in that way. 
Sure. My uh, so my name is Philip Van Dusen, and I uh, I'm a senior creative leader. I've spent most of my career split between the corporate side and the global branding agency side. Um, I actually started off as a as a painter and was teaching. Uh, painting in college for a period of time. Um, I had a gig in the south of France and came back to the United States and put decided to put a lot of artwork of mine on T-shirts and sell them. And so I walked to the island of Manhattan with my little sample case selling my T-shirts. And this was kind of the dawn. I'm dating myself now. This is the dawn of the computer age. So I uh, kind of fell in love with the Macintosh. And after having my own company for a little period of time, I actually went to work for uh, another uh, apparel company and spent about 12 years in the fashion industry. Um, I ended my career in the fashion industry as the uh, head of design and packaging for Old Navy, which is part of Gap Inc. So I spent about 15 years in fashion retail. And uh, while I was at Old Navy, I had the opportunity to shop uh, all over the world for inspiration and um, and really got to know uh, an individual brand really well. Yeah. And then I jumped over to the uh, global branding agency side and uh, worked for uh, a couple different uh, global agencies doing brand development, lots of consumer package goods, identity development, um, working across what we like to call uh, a broad range of brand touch points. So that's things like, you know, digital, online, social um, packaging, uh, identity. Um, and uh, I did that for about uh, seven years and then made the jump back over to the corporate side and was the, uh, the head of design for global snacks for PepsiCo for a period of time and, uh, then jumped out on my own. So I recently started my own brand consultancy called, uh, Verhal, uh, which is a Dutch word meaning story. Um, and, uh, which, uh, you know, really goes to show kind of how deeply I feel about story and how important story is um, in, in branding. Um, and my family is Dutch and uh, goes way back to the beginning of the United States. My first ancestor came in 1630 and uh, was, you know, an entrepreneur in New Amsterdam before it was even, you know, New York City. Uh, so my my entrepreneurial roots go way back. And, um, and that's kind of a piece of my authentic brand story. And I tell that story on my, on my website and it manifests itself in the name of my agency as well. So, um, and what I do is I help, uh, companies, uh, small to mid-sized companies and uh, as well as entrepreneurs, uh, brand themselves and address their brand identities, their brand strategy, telling their brand stories, establishing and, and defining their, uh, customer avatars and how they communicate their brand, uh, across, uh, digital means as well as, you know, physical and print media and traditional media as well. Um, and what I, what my kind of real passion is, is kind of bringing what I've learned in the global agency side where there is, you know, extremely, um, buttoned up strategic process methodology, um, which costs, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars to do for uh, large companies to bring that methodology to the entrepreneur and to the small businessman so they can really benefit from that uh, from that rigor and the ability to kind of build their brands in a really kind of bulletproof way. And I think it's just really sad that, you know, mostly the large, super large companies are the only ones who can afford that kind of thinking and that kind of work. And I think that, uh, you know, smaller entrepreneurs and, and smaller brands can really benefit from it. So that's kind of what I, what my passion is. 
Yeah, yeah. Look, I, I mean that that buzzword, I guess, brand storytelling is something that you you hear a lot these days, and I think it's it's also kind of misunderstood by a lot of particularly smaller businesses and probably at the bigger end of town too, an area that you have a lot more experience than me uh, in, in playing in. But, you know, I think people don't really understand what that, what that value is in, in story or really what storytelling means in a brand sense. So, so what role do you think storytelling plays for a brand? You know, what, and, you know, feel free to talk about the, the big top end of town brands like PepsiCo sure. that you've worked with through to sure. even small, small brands that you, you work with now. Yeah, I mean, I think as brand relates, as story relates to brand, story is kind of a great catch-all word, but story within branding is really comes down to communication and affinity. So what you want to do as a brand is you want to establish a relationship with a customer and, uh, you know, build that level of affinity and love between your customer and your brand or your products. And the way you do that is through connecting with them emotionally and how you connect with people is through communication. And so um, there's a lot of different um, places where story kind of comes into play in, you know, introducing a brand to a customer or, or to a, an audience and then building, communicating what they do, what they offer, and then how to, you know, build that relationship. And you do that through communication and I'll, I'll give you, you know, kind of multi-step piece of, of that process. I mean, when you first develop a brand, you really have to tell the brand story, you know, to a certain extent, you know, what was the genesis of the brand? Who are the people that work there? You know, where do they come from? Where, you know, what are their, what's their passion? What's their mission? Uh, what do they care about? What do they support? And, you know, so you need to introduce the brand and help people understand who and what you are. And then there's, you know, introducing your uh, your products and how you do that originally is you have to develop a level of empathy with the customer. So you have to empathize with whatever it is the problem is that they want to solve or what the solution it is that you're offering, whether that's a product or whether that's a service. And so there's kind of the empathy story. So what you want to do is be able to communicate and paint a picture of what that problem is for them that they can really identify with, right? Because that's what's going to draw them in. Yeah, and then there, yeah. And then there's developing the affinity, which is the you know their identification with the fact that you understand them, you have something to offer them, and it's going to start to to create that bond of a relationship. And then, you know, you deliver your product or your service, and you have to do that in a really authentic way. Um, and then the customer will benefit from it. You know, they'll have emotional benefits. They'll have physical or, you know, um, uh, tangible benefits of whatever it is that you're offering. And that's kind of developing a story within that relationship and with that delivery of that service or that product as well, because then they start to create their own stories around how they have used your brand, how they came in contact with it, how they use your products, what it's meant in their lives. And then it starts to be kind of a self-generating story, which is where the, you know, the real close indelible bonds that people develop with brands happen. Um, excuse me. The and then touched on there is, is, and what I really love about that idea of communication and affinity is what storytelling is, is uh, particularly that idea of affinity, like communication is, it comes in many forms and, and, all, you know, marketing is communication and, you know, there's a lot of different ways to market, uh, ways that don't 
bring storytelling into the mix. Um, but the right. affinity component is where the storytelling really, uh, really shines, I guess. And, you know, what I like about that is you mentioned authenticity. And I think that word affinity, you can't achieve affinity without being authentic. I don't think genuine affinity when it comes to any kind of communication, whether it's interpersonal or, you know, brand communication, um, affinity is impossible without authenticity. So, you know, I think. Or, or it's, or it's hollow. What happens is you can, you can build it and it's fake. And then if people, you know, now with how many brand touch points there are for people to interact with your brand, there are that many ways for them to discover the truth. And so telling the truth from the very get go is really important. And, uh, you know, painting that picture in a way that makes sense to them and isn't, you know, a front. And I think that that, you know, back in the Mad Men days, you know, there was this kind of man behind the curtain, right, where, you know, they're pulling the gears and doing all stuff. And then they're telling this kind of, uh, you know, uh, face front advertising story that they did on radio and television. But sometimes that could be extremely different than what was happening in the background. And I think that one of the things that we're experiencing right now um, with the way media and customer interactions work is that there's tremendously higher level of transparency um, that and and visibility that customers have to the inside of a company, its workings, its people, what it does, you know. And so that makes that story their own, you know, kind of their own um, in the brand authenticity story even more important because if it's not authentic, people will cut you off at the knees, yeah, you know. So it's, it's a lot harder to hide behind a, a you know, air quotes brand these days. Yeah. You know, you can't just yeah. create a a brand that says something that the the company is not, that the company doesn't live that, that story. So, you know, if it's, you you used to be able to do that, like you said, in Mad Men days, I think, you know, brands hid behind that, but it's almost impossible to do that these days. Even the big brands, they're lifting the curtain, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And they are. And, you know, and the bigger brands are doing their best to feel, to look small. And that's one one of the things that I think is the most inter- interesting thing in happening in marketing right now is, you know, people look at gigantic corporations as evil. You know, that's kind of like in our DNA that it's the faceless corporation and corporations that are smart in their branding and in their storytelling will break their stories down to a much more human level and also tell their stories in a much more personal way rather than this kind of top down thing. It's kind of more of a, you know, um, a relationship conversation. And that's a big, uh, that's a big evolution, uh, in, in, uh, large brand communication is that they're having to figure out how to communicate on a much more personal level than they ever have before. And, and a lot of them are stumbling with it. And then there's others that are doing, you know, an incredibly great job. Um, you that's had, where you know, I think, um, and that's where I think if you are trying to craft a brand story, like, uh, you know, the marketing the CMOs and the, the marketing team are trying to craft a brand story that, that isn't lived through the brand that isn't authentic, then, uh, it, you know, it's still storytelling, like they're still applying brand storytelling practices and sometimes doing that very well. But if it's not uh, lived through the brand through all the way through to the customers and the customers having that affinity with that brand story, I think that you're not creating those genuine conversations, like you said, or, or those genuine relationships and telling stories from that. So, you know, that's, yeah. I think, a, a really good distinction that 
um, I think, you know, is a good takeaway for people listening here is looking for those opportunities to, to tell genuine stories and, and relationship stories, whether that be internally through the company or, or with your customers and clients. Yeah, and I think some of the companies that are doing the best job with it right now are the ones that are allowing their customers to tell their stories. And that's where it becomes incredibly authentic because customers will trust another customer much more than they will trust the voice of the company. And so when you create a great experience in your customer through a product or service, and then they become what we call a brand evangelist, they internalize the brand to the point where they make it part of their identity. They then become your voice in your story. And the brands that are doing, you know, a couple examples of brands that have done that, like in a really great way, um, Nike, for instance. When Nike started off, the, the head of Nike, Phil Knight, he used to sell um, like hand-stitched shoes out of the trunk of his car at little regional track meets. And he sold his shoes and he got feedback and he went back and he noodled the shoe and he did that for a period of time and um, and the brand exploded. And so the, the base story of like how that started off and Phil Knight's original story has a lot of authenticity to it. Um, but the interesting thing that Nike did as they grew and got really big and monolithic was they brought their brand story down to each individual customer. So their whole corporate ethos is about celebrating the athlete in the non-athlete, you know, in the mom and pop to the person who's going out for a jog twice a week, you know, or, you know, the little swim team that meets at the Y. I mean, they, um, they celebrate and, 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 uh, you know, kind of, um, I don't know the word I'm looking for. They kind of hold up, um, the, the every man and cele celebrate them and make them very visible in their advertising and in their, um, and in how they communicate verbally their brand. Um, and so what happens is those people who use Nike and feel seen and feel appreciated then become the Nike brand evangelists. And, you know, you see it all over their advertising too. You know, they, 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 you know, in traditional television advertising, they do a tremendous amount of, you know, video of individual, small, non-famous athlete people, as much as they do, you know, the Olympics and all those giant teams that we all know and love. Um, they also really ce celebrate the everyman. And so I think that that's one of the things that has really made Nike, um, you know, part of people's lives and, and a brand that's bulletproof, you know, in a lot of different ways. I mean, I think that Apple did that as well as they, you know, as similar to the Phil Knight story, they, you know, Steve Wozniak and Steve Jobs, um, started off in a little Palo Alto garage, you know, building a chunky computer out of Radio Shack parts, you know, built on a wood framework. I mean, it was just about as, as ghetto as you can imagine. And they, you know, that story, is legendary, you know, at this point, but what they did in bringing the computer to the everyman and celebrating, um, the creativity in, in the everyman and making the computer incredibly accessible through its operating system and how you interacted with it is what really galvanized people's customers to the Apple brand because they didn't feel put off by it. You know, they felt welcomed into it. And, um, so those are just a couple stories that I think are, are examples of larger brands who've used story and used um, kind of celebrating that that emotional connection and that relationship really well.
Yeah, I think what you've what you've touched on there is is something that you mentioned earlier as well around a, a brand's story is is so many more touch points than simply a, a a brand or a logo. You know, a lot of people think of a brand as being simply a logo or some colours, maybe or or a design on a website, but you know, you mentioned before um, that word of, of different touch points, you know, for the brand and telling that story consistently across all those touch points is, is really critical. So can you maybe break down for us what what you see as, as some of the key touch points that brands, or particularly, you know, our listeners being, uh, you know, in business themselves and probably running their own small businesses or in marketing uh, and so marketing their clients' businesses, what are some of the touch points that you know, potentially people don't think about, you know, when it comes to, to telling their brand story or designing their brand. Sure. Um, that is a, that's a big subject, <laughs> but, um, well, from the design standpoint, um, there are, you know, there's the brand identity. So the logo, there's also, you know, a brand mark, which might not be the name of the company or a word mark. It might be an icon that has no name attached to it, like the Nike swoosh, right? Or the Apple Apple, um, which over time, a symbol can become synonymous with the brand itself where you don't even need the word. Um, so a lot of brands, even small brands try to initially or start off with you know, a, a deeper meaning of a brand identity so they can build that equity over time. But so there's, you know, brand identity, there's a color palette, um, you know, choosing color is an incredibly important visual and emotional tool with brands that I think that a lot of people underestimate. Um, brand uh, color is the second most memorable um, human sense uh, after smell. And so people's reaction to color is very, very um uh, it's, uh, almost reptilian, you know, it goes so far back in our DNA as far as what colors mean. And you as a, as an entrepreneur or a small business person can do very easily research into what the, the emotional aspects of color are and to be very choiceful about what color you choose for your brand. Um, there's, you know, photography or iconography or illustration. Um, there's pattern, uh, there's font choices. I mean, you can do a, do a tremendous amount of storytelling through the fonts that you choose. Um, there's also sound branding. Um, a lot of people don't, um, you know, and with your podcast, I'm sure that you're going to have intro music or, you know, some sort of uh, sound branding element that will go along with that, that over time will develop into a piece of equity for your podcast. And there are a lot of people who use sound in that way. Like you think about Intel, you know, their little bum, 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 which is yeah. even if I'm doing that, you know, yeah, it's Intel, Intel inside, right? And your brain says Intel inside. Mm -hmm. Um, so there's sound, uh, and then there's tone of voice. That's another thing that uh, small companies and, and entrepreneurs don't think a lot about, which is what is the tone of voice of your brand? So not only what is the story that you're telling it, but how are you telling it? So is your brand, if you're in the financial industry, are you speaking in a very, uh, you know, kind of staid, conservative um you know, factual, um, supportive kind of tone. If you're an extreme sport brand, are you talking like, you know, a 17 year old surfer dude, you know, and using that kind of colloquialism and that kind of vernacular, um, choosing what your brand sounds like and how you show up in, in written form, um, as well as, you know, verbal form, um, whether you're, you know, your customer associates are talking to someone on the phone or you're giving a, 
pitch in an elevator, um, how you how your brand comes across in tone of voice is also really important. Um, so those are some of the aspects that I think that people don't pay a lot of attention to as they're building their brand assets. Um, and then as you were talking about brand touch points, you know, as if it was 20 years ago, my list, I could count it on one hand, but now I need 20 hands. I mean, there are so many different brand touch points now. Um, but just, you know, the major ones are obviously broadcast television or cable. There's, uh, you know, radio, there's podcasts, there's, you know, internet radio, Stitcher, that whole thing. There's, um, you know, blab and, and, and Skype and there's, or social media, so Facebook and Twitter and that whole um, kind of raft of, of social platforms. Um, there's also the physical, so retail. So what's on a shelf? Where do you sell? Um, where do you show up? Um, there's um, outdoor. So that's, you know, billboards. That, that's not as important as it used to be, but um, that's yet another brand touch point. There's also guerrilla marketing. So do you show up as a sticker on a subway, you know, platform? Do you show up um, and uh, as a, you know, a spray painted stenciled logo on a sidewalk somewhere? Um, just about any place that we come in contact with any kind of marketing or advertising or brand presence um, is a brand touch point. You know, it could be the logo on your shirt, you know. Um, and so there are a plethora, a myriad of places that you could consider to be brand touch points. What I think the biggest, uh, the most important thing for entrepreneurs and small business people to think about now is that you don't have to be everywhere all the time. And you have to be, you have to be very choiceful about where it is that you show up. Um, and because you're small, you can't support showing up in 15 different places well. It's better to show up in three places well than to show up in 15 badly. And so I try to impress upon my clients the choose finding out and doing some research into where your customers hang out, what's important for them, what, what's the best media or platform for you to for your message to be conveyed to them? Is it a Facebook page? Is, is it, you know, through Snapchat? Um, is it on 144 characters on a tweet? Um, is it in, is it just purely with imagery in Instagram or Pinterest? Um, and, or, you know, an email newsletter, you know, where you're really kind of owning a publication, so to speak. Um, to be very choiceful about, uh, what platforms and what, brand touch points you decide to use um, and to be uh, uh, very um, conservative in that in that in the beginning. You can always expand, but it's harder to try to do everything and then show up badly. Um, I think that's much more destructive. I'd imagine that there are certainly ways to to do to do that well. But, you know, I'm just really interested to explore with you, you know, how you can possibly do that well from a graphic design standpoint. So you've got consistency, you've got, con you mm. know, you've got a good use of colors, you've got a good tone to, to the voice and, and the language being used and you're limiting it to platforms where your audiences are. And all, like, I think that there's probably a way to do that well, but without consideration of story or, or having a, a, a strong brand story in that. Would you agree? Or do you think that that is the story or is is there something deeper that needs to possibly run through those 
those brand touch points which which become the story well i think you're you're kind of talking about two different things one thing is you're talking about brand consistency which is i think the place where most people fall down um, or they realize a little farther down the road as their business grows how fractured they have become and then they have to kind of like herd the cats um, and so being very choiceful and, and as planful as you can be from the beginning in terms of developing that kind of palette of brand assets that you're going to use will save you, even though you'll be investing money in the front end, and I say investing, not spending, because it really is an investment in the future and investment in your brand. But to do that on the front end, because then as you choose to go into these different touch points and these different um, you know, areas and places you're going to show up as a brand, you can, you can make sure that you're designing them consistently and that you are creating consistency across them. Because when it comes to branding, the most important thing that there is is to be remembered. You want to be remembered and revered. And the only way you can be remembered is to be recognized. And so unless people can immediately understand that what they saw for three seconds as they went to you know, a header of a Facebook page is you and your brand, if it looked different than the header on your Twitter page or the, the icon on your uh, Instagram page, if they don't get that immediate recognition, you've lost uh, an opportunity to build brand equity and brand equity, meaning, you know, people's people um, recognizing and um, starting to galvanize a memory of what your brand looks and feels like. Because as you do that, if you're consistent with it and as you can build that level of um you know, a memory in in your target, that's where it becomes much more easy to tell your story. Because if they're confused about who you look like or where you are, then it's harder to go to that next level, which is the level of communication. So you have to really, you know, for them to understand what you sound like and look like, then they can start to listen to you. But if they're still trying to figure out like what it is that you look like or where you are, then they're more confused. And so, so yeah. thanks for clarifying that because my reason for asking that is because I can't tell you how many times I've heard, you know, graphic designers or, or, um, you know, marketing agency people talking about, you know, we need a consistent story across all of these channels, you know, and that what they're referring to is consistent brand design. You know, they're talking about having, you know, consistency like you talked about there, but you know, they're using that term story, I think, you know, inappropriately there because, you know, they're right. They do need a consistent story across those channels as well. But what they're actually referring to is just getting consistency in color palette and, and tone and, and uh, you know, design, which I think there's, there's a distinction there. So, you know, what, how do we get to that next stage of integrating story throughout, throughout those, those areas and doing it authentically? Well, one, I think, is how your tone of voice and how you're communicating and what you're communicating about. Um, you know, I think that, you know, Nike, for instance, when they talk about themselves, they talk about themselves in terms of their customers or in terms of their customers, um, accomplishments, right. And that's really their focus. So it draws people in. I think that, um, there's, there's, you know, I would love to say that everyone agrees on this, but there are definitely a couple different um, schools of thought. One is that your tone of voice and the story you tell and how you come across to your customers should be consistent across any platform. 
um, whether you're on Facebook or Twitter or whatever, that they should all be incredibly consistent. Another school of thought is that depending on the platform, people on that platform might expect something slightly different than what they saw or get on something else. For instance, you know, people who frequent Twitter might be looking for links to interesting articles or, you know, a news update that's around the theme or category that you do business in. So a little more kind of business oriented or trend oriented. But then if you're creating Snapchat stories, they might expect something that's much more personal and much more kind of behind the scenes and uh, intimate. And so depending on the channel, I think that you can um, uh, evolve or, or morph your story a little bit depending on the channel because channels have different personalities and they have different expectations of what it is that you're going to get when you're in it, you know, in, when you're in integrating yourself into it as a consumer. Cause you know, as we, as we, as we, uh, interact on social media websites or whatever, we dive into that world, you know, we suddenly you know, it's like going into the what we call the pinhole, right? You go on Pinterest and you start cruising through your feed and you're like, oh, my God, that's so inspiring. And then, you know, you wake up and look at your watch and it's like 45 minutes later <laughs> or your Facebook, you know, Guns and so Pinterest myself. Um, yeah. Well, Facebook, I'm a visual guy. Facebook so that for me, man, like, yeah, just get yeah, lost in exactly. There. Yeah, yeah, you can totally get lost in there. Hey, look, I want to I want to wrap this up. But before we do, sure. um, I'd love to hear from you. You talked before about, you know, 10, 20 years ago, uh, you know, five brand touch points and now like countless, but I'm really interested to, to ask you where you think that brand experience is going to go in the next, I don't know, the next, the immediate future or the distant future, you know, like, what do you think's next for, for branding? You know, and yeah, I guess I'm talking about the top end of town here. Like what's the exciting stuff we're going to see in the way that brands are telling their story? Sure. I mean, we, we touched on this when we had our call before before this podcast, and I wanted to bring it back up because it's something that I'm super passionate about and I think is um, pretty groundbreaking, and that's virtual reality. I think that that's something that brands have not even scratched the surface on. And um, I recently went to a big conference at the Javits Center um, around uh, virtual reality and saw a lot of the new technology in play and met a lot of the people who are developing the software around that technology, as well as met, meeting a lot of the, peop the, uh, the leads in branding agencies that are starting to do work for large corporate clients using virtual reality. Yeah. And the, you know, the paradigm of virtual reality, which is really mind blowing, is that you can actually take, you know, a, a, a consumer and put them in a completely enveloping world that is visual, tactile, sound, you know, as close to reality as possible. So you can control an entire world. And as I was saying, when we were talking on the phone, you know, the only place that you can conceivably do that right now is in a retail experience where, you know, you go into, you know, a Nike, you know, flagship store, and it's five stories of like incredible shops and, you know, and history and, and it's just, you know, an incredible, almost theatrical experience. That's kind of controlling an entire brand experience in that kind of way. But virtual reality, you know, can take you beyond reality. I mean, you can – and here's an example. Say you're Nike and you 
you want to sell a new Air Jordan. You know, someone goes into the Nike store and they put them in the virtual reality room. They put on the headset and, you know, they have the lasers shining on them. So you, they, it senses your movements and you show up in the virtual goggles like your movements are happening. And they, through software, you know, put you on the center court of Madison Square Garden in the jump ball of a Knicks game. And you are on the Knicks and you look around and there are people who have your name on posters, you know, who are holding them up as 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 fans and they're chanting your name. And you look down and you've got this new pair of Air Jordans on and that is a mind boggling, completely immersive experience. And so how do you tell brand stories that are really authentic to your brand, create a level of affinity and, you know, you have the empathy for what the customer wants, but the experience you're giving them is setting up this level of affinity and appreciation from them. But you have, you almost has godlike powers to control and sculpt an entire experience. And that's, you know, that's an incredible responsibility. But from a, from a storytelling standpoint, the mind just, you know, it it, it boggles the mind what you could conceivably do with it. You know, you could put someone on a surfboard on top of a hundred foot wave. You could put someone on the surface of Mars, you know, farming potatoes. Um, It's just, and I I don't think that, I think brands are going to have to start thinking about this. Yeah. And you know, the best, I think the most exciting thing about this from a consumer perspective is that. You're not being having stories told at you anymore, and that's to an extent true now. But um, you know what you're talking about there is with the onset of virtual reality and brands doing that well. I think you're actually experiencing the story. Yeah, it's a brand story, but it's an experience as well, which builds affinity and builds that relationship with the brand. And man, that's right. powerful stuff. Hey, that's that's pretty cool. Yeah. And it's, you know, and the level of responsibility in that for the brand to serve up an experience that the customer wants and that they will value and feel comfortable with. And then it won't feel that they're being marketed to. Right. So you're giving them an experience that's going to feel good enough that they don't mind that you're shilling the new Air Jordans. Right. Um, So how do you do that? It's a very delicate balance. Right. Because you can go just the you can go just the, you know, the route of entertainment where you're just, you know, giving them a cool, you know, crazy cinematic experience, but where, and then they can say, I had this great experience and Nike gave it to me. Therefore I like Nike, or you can create an experience that somehow incorporates Nike into the experience, right? So NASCAR, you know, they put you in a NASCAR car racing around the track at 500 miles an hour. Um, You know, what is the experience that makes sense for NASCAR and makes sense for, you know, a NASCAR fan. Um, anyway, I find yeah. that, I find it really inspiring there and a go. brave new world, brave Phil new world. Anderson's warning to all the big brands out there. Don't <laughs> screw VR up for us. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. Do it well, please. Yes. Yes. Look, this has been awesome. Thanks very much for your time, Philip, and for, for coming on to engage with story. Um, you know, I, I could talk about this for hours, but we are going to need to wrap it up here, but, um, sure. I know the best place that people can find out more about you is at philipvandusen.com. Um, is there any other, any other places you want people to check out or, or you know, ha- what can they do to, to get in touch with you perhaps or what's the best way? 
Sure. There's, you know, you can easily get in touch with me through my contact page on philipvandusen.com. Um, and there, I also have a, a newsletter called Brand Muse that comes out every two weeks and I share an insight and trends and resources on entrepreneurship and design. And so, you know, in the footer, you can sign up for my newsletter. I, I hope you do. And, um, just in the last three quarters of a year, I've started a YouTube channel. So um, I, I'm producing videos on branding, design, marketing, and uh, I put out a video every week. And it's under my name, Philip Van Dusen, um, on YouTube. So subscribe to me on YouTube and, and see my videos when they come out. Awesome, Philip. We'll do that and we'll have all the notes uh, on engagevideomarketing.com slash podcast as well. So awesome. thanks, Philip. It's been awesome. And uh yeah, we'll thank you, Ben. Up. See you, man. Bye. All right, cool. Well, that wraps it up for this week and episode three of Engage with Story. Again, a big thanks to Philip Van Dusen for coming on the show. I really hope you guys have been enjoying the show so far, and I'd seriously love any feedback and reviews over on iTunes. And please do me a favor and share this podcast with someone you know who loves a good story. Once again, you can get all the links and show notes from this episode and all the future episodes over at engagevideomarketing.com slash podcast. Now, the exciting thing is that because I've launched Engage With Story with four episodes, that means that episode four is live right now and ready for your listening pleasure, and it's a good one. In fact, episode four is my first solo show in which I'll be unpacking for you my top tips to finding your brand's story and using this to grow your business. So until then, as always, I'll leave you with a quote to end the show. And this one is by Hannah Arendt. Storytelling reveals meaning without committing the error of defining it. All right. Thanks for listening. I'll see you next time.